I'm so educated and I'm so civilized Cause I'm a strict vegetarian But with the overpopulation and inflation and starvation And the crazy politicians It may not be that the Earth has too little water, too little land and too little food the overpopulation argument posits that the problem is too many people for the Earth to sustain. From the 1960s, books like The Population Bomb and Zero Population Growth Organizations sprang up and took hold alongside a new environmental awareness. But especially after China's one-child experiment, population became a no-go topic for most leaders, even as we pass 7 billion people. Academy Award-winning filmmaker Jessica Yu's new documentary, Misconception, found that population is not so simple as one plus one equals too many. In man's evolution, he's created the city and the motor traffic rumble. You have done films about resources before, about water. What got your attention on population? Well, Every Q&A after uh, screenings of the film about water, which is called Last Call at the Oasis, someone would raise their hand and say, well, why are we talking about conservation when we're not doing anything about population? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if we just keep growing. So there was a kind of panic about, are there just too many of us? And so it was almost like people were asking us to look into the idea about pop of population as a, a subject for a film. We went into it with all the assumptions that we ended up addressing in the film. So, you know, it wasn't like we were in the know and decided to make the film. It was more like we had these questions that we wanted answered. What we wanted to do was find out, uh, you know, what what is actually happening in terms of, you know, absolute growth and what does that mean? And the first person we ended up researching was Hans Rosling, who's kind of a, a you know, guru of statistics, and he really looks at data and, um, you know, discusses... Uh, numbers and, and, and what's behind them. I do meet people who are scared about population growth. They think that the adding of billions in Asia and Africa will cause a degradation of the environment. This is partly true, but it's not the main problem. The main problem is that the richest in the world are consuming many resources and are burning the fossil fuels. From him, we learned that a overpopulation is not a thing. You know, we have population growth, but um, the overall rate of growth has actually slowed. It's a different problem in different places. You have places where actually there are uh, too few babies grow, um, being born, like in places like, um, you know, Japan or Russia. Um, and other places, you have these hotspots of very high fertility rate, and that uh, puts a lot of uh, pressure on all sorts of um, resources and, and a lot of social issues. There are so many ways to take a film about population growth. How did you choose the way you ended up doing it? Well, I think we were starting to get overwhelmed by by the numbers. And I think, you know, numbers can be sort of mesmerizing. And we realized that looking at the human consequences of, uh, you know, policy decisions or attitudes, that, that was kind of a way to see um, you know, what, what's really going on and how these forces are being shaped. So we, we ended up looking for these human stories that illustrated um, the, the consequences on the ground or what the philosophical differences are. So we, we have kind of a triptych in the film. There's three different stories, three different, very situ different situations, and they look at the issue through different lenses. 
the first story begins in China, where the one-child policy may have had some short-term success, but in the long term, it means there are a lot more men than there are women. And this is a story of a man approaching 30 whose parents are putting on the heat. I think what's interesting about, about Bao, the man there, is that like a lot of uh, single children, you know, he's been raised in kind of a bubble where he's like the prince of the family. And so the expectation is very high of who he should, you know, what kind of partner he should have. And he has all these romantic ideas. But when push comes to shove, there's a point where his parents are just like, find somebody. But given the imbalance there and the fact that modern Chinese women have more expectations for their lives, he's not much of a catch. Recently, of course, is that the, the one-child policy uh, was, was ended. But that doesn't solve the issue. Uh, as Hans Rosling would say, there's, there's a breaking distance of a generation. So just because you say, okay, now it's okay for most families to have two children, those, those instant adults are not going to be created. The second of the three people you study is a Canadian woman who's very religious, who had an abortion herself, and is clearly full of remorse because she's been lobbying the United Nations to, to put an end to some of the practices like abortion. We have to be in there informing these nations and these delegates and ambassadors. It's a spiritual battle. It's good against evil. Denise's story is, um, I, I think, the most controversial of, of the three. And her story is about um, the effect of religious and cultural factors in, in the landscape. And she uh, represents kind of a, an army on the ground of activists who equate family planning with abortion. And so that is really the battle as they see it. And I think it's a story that makes people uncomfortable because Denise is absolutely who she is. She she goes to the UN and she sets up these meetings and she has these little plastic fetuses of different colors that she gives to the delegate as she sees the color being appropriate to where they're from. And it, 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 this is just who she is. So uh, I think that there's a way that in her story you could think, uh, oh, do, I'm not taking her seriously. You know, she's she's kind of outrageous in the way that she gets attention. But I think there's a lesson in seeing that uh, she is able to represent her her side um, in a way that I don't think can be discounted. What is, are her views about overpopulation? I think uh, she believes that God never gives us more than we can handle, and um, I think that there's a feeling that there's a conspiracy, say, against. Um, countries in Africa, uh, she, she calls them like the population controllers that want to stop uh, women from from having babies. That um, she, I think she would say, you know, women need support. You know, poverty should be eradicated, but you know, babies are a gift, and the more you have, the better. Uh, I want to talk about some of the issues that have emerged lately about population. For example, we don't look at raw numbers anymore. We look at the population, and then how much that child born into that society consumes. A child born in the United States may consume many times more in terms of resources uh, than a child born to a family of 10 children in Africa. What you just mentioned is so important, and it's not something, though, I think that has uh, penetrated as, as deeply as we might expect. Um, 
that you know if we had zero population growth that would not matter for our future if everyone worked to consume the way that the average American family consumes. That message is starting to, to get across. Um, but when th the kind of things that we learned about looking beyond the numbers, like the fact that um, women tend to have large numbers of children where you have high infant mortality. So when in countries when infant mortality drops, then you see fertility uh, rates drop as well. We know these things intuitively that, that uh, you know, if people are given um, economic opportunity, health care, things like that, then uh, healthier families, uh, there's more security in having smaller numbers. But again, it's something that gets eclipsed when we see just the big numbers and headlines. And your third figure is a woman in Uganda, a journalist who looks to the plight of unwanted children. My name is Gladys. I'll be working on a story about lost and abandoned children. The mothers are stuck. These children, they keep on coming. So why don't I use the talent God gave me? Something must be done. Yes, the, the subject in the third story is Gladys Kalabala. She's a, a journalist and a Ugandan woman who has uh, intervened in a way that gives her a unique perspective on uh, the the what it's like for uh, someone to be born into a situation where they were not planned for. What happens, a lot of these kids end up on the street. They might be um, sent out to, to work as child laborers in one form or another. There's a lot of exploitation. And also she gets very deeply involved in the children's lives. There are some documentaries that make you think, oh my God, I have to go out and do something about this. This is not one of them, though. <laughs> yeah. Is that deliberate? I think so. Again, uh, we researched for about 18 months, and I think we were just uh, encountering so many different facets to the issue, and that the um, elements of uh, of the problem were so different in different cultures. So I think if there is a message, it's just the idea of um, not taking the the number, the absolute number of population uh, uh, how many we are, and seeing that as the problem. Any idea that we should, if we just control the number, that we'll fix the problem, that that falsehood is, I think, what the film is trying to lay to rest. There was an interesting contrast of uh, Russia and India. In, mm. in the 70s, there were population growth groups in India that encouraged men to have vasectomies after two or three children, and they would give you some money and a radio. Now it's women they urge to be uh, sterilized and say, here's a car. <laughs> right. Yeah. And a two-seater car, too. <laughs> well, well, we found out that in India and in Russia, there were examples of automobiles being used as incentives either to have fewer children or to have more children. In India, if you uh, uh, undergo uh, you know, a sterilization uh, procedure, if you get the operation, then there are certain incentives. You get a, a jug of cooking oil, you get a radio or something, and a chance to win a car. The car there, though, is, is the, the Nano, which is basically like a two-seater car, whereas there are spots in Russia where the uh, fertility rate is so low, they're, they're trying to get people to have more babies. So if you have a child, you get gifts from, from the government. And um, they announced that uh, in this one uh, particular area that anybody who has five children would automatically get a car. But there, the car that's given away is an SUV. 
one of the points in the uh, uh, in the segment about Russia is a, a motto: "Skip work, have sex," <laughs> because Vladimir Putin believes, "quote Either we will be many, or we won't be any." Yes, right. They they do sponsor a day where people, uh, young people, are encouraged to stay home and make babies. Uh, the takeaway to this, especially after watching Hans Rosling, yeah. he seems to be counseling: "Don't panic, but don't relax." That's right. I think he, what he's saying is also the idea that it's more about rolling up your sleeves and dealing with the things that we've always should be dealing with, which is uh, access to um, education, eradication of poverty, it's health issues, it's um, women's rights. These are the less sexy things than, oh, my God, we're going over the cliff with numbers. Well, did you think or feel any differently after making this? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, again, I think that... Uh, Whenever you, you make a film about uh, a resource like, like water, there is a feeling of just the, the, the limits and um, the, the patterns of human consumption um, that just seem like we're, we are heading off a cliff. And looking at this, it, uh, I think it made me feel, feel like there are solutions. There are things that we, we know will work. And uh, in the film, you know, you see the uh, downside of, of, you know, sort of heavy-handed government in- intervention. You, you see how um, religious bias can be something that, that makes the politics of women's access to reproductive health very, very um, difficult. And so, and, and then you see the kind of work that in a, the third story, Gladys Kalabala in Uganda, she is rolling up her sleeve. She's very practical. She is in there trying to help these kids. I, th- I think the conversations afterwards of, of screenings of this film have been very, uh, very animated. Uh, I think it's something that demonstrated to me how this subject actually in a lot of ways before has been taboo. Like, you know, talking about the idea of too many people. It's, it's certainly it's a political the third, third rail, rail. Yes. of political discussion. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, having everybody there and having these stories sort of butting up against each other, I think it, it sparked a conversation that been the most gratifying reaction, I think, for me personally. Imagine no possession. Thank you, Jessica Yu. Thank you. It was a pleasure. I wonder if you can. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's edited and engineered by Todd G. Levin. The music is the Kinks' Ape Men and John Lennon's Imagine. I am Pat Morrison. <laughs>